Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're taking a look at Barbarian, the new horror film from uh, first-time director Zach Kreger. We're also taking a look at Pinocchio on Disney+. Plus. I convinced Andy to watch it. I thought maybe there was a little bit of that Robert Zemeckis magic in there. And we're going to talk about whether or not that's true. We're going to talk about some upcoming trailers that we've learned about since uh, Disney D23 event has been going on this week. Disney's, I should say, plural. Uh, also, Toronto International Film Festival's on. we got a little bit to talk about there. But before we get to all that, we need to get to the news. Our first story this week, uh, Brendan Gleeson is in Joker 2, uh, star of Banshees of Inishirin, which is currently getting some big buzz uh, in early reviews, is going to be in the, the Todd Phillips <laughs> musical Joker sequel. Uh, Andy, who, who who's he supposed to play? I don't know. It hasn't been revealed yet, but I'm pretty excited about this uh, this casting news. That movie is shaping up to be really great. Of course, Lady Gaga is going to be in it as Harley Quinn. It's going to be some sort of crazy musical. And, uh, you know, it, if they hadn't already done a Penguin very recently, that's that would kind of be my first uh, instinct. But I don't really know outside of that. But I will say... Brendan Gleeson has a wonderful singing voice as heard in uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, where he uh, has a nice little song towards the end of that uh, film. Uh, I totally forgot he was in Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, is he one of the guys in like the carriage at the, 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 yep. the end scene? Yep. Oh, man. I gotta go back and watch. The movie's so good. One of one of the few Netflix originals that I'll like go revisit from time to time. It's really good stuff. Uh, I, the, the sequel to Joker is obviously highly anticipated. Uh, fans of the original are uh, many. There's <laughs> a lot of them. And DC seems to be leaning in a bit into a bit of the uh, artistic artistic direction that is coming out of uh, Todd Phillips and other unique directors who have picked up the helm at DC. Uh, uh, also worth noting, like the Batman uh, from director Matt Reeves, uh, Shazam uh, was was kind of exciting and different. Uh, the new Flash movie is supposed to be something. I don't know where exactly Joker 2 is going to land in the middle of all that, but I do know it's going to be a follow up to the first Joker. And that's about it. I don't, I don't know how any of it will tie in. Uh, I don't know who this guy is going to be, but it's some star power, baby. And then the cast list for this film just seems to get more exciting by the announcement. Some people have said, uh, theorized he could be Jeremiah Arkham, whom Arkham Asylum is named after, kind of a mad scientist type role. So uh, that that could be something. Maybe go up against Thomas Wayne in some some form or fashion. Yeah, uh, I think that would be neat. I, I I would put him at that that kind of role. He's a big dude. He's got a big frame, like big. You know, he's he's like a big overbearing guy, right? So like you're gonna and, and Arthur Fleck is a pretty thin and wispy individual. So I don't know who he's gonna be, but I you know he's got a lot of weight to throw around, and that that creates a uh, a looming silhouette. I think coming out of Brendan Gleeson, and I, that, I hope that inspires his character choice. Uh, he plays a good villain. I, our next story this week. D23 Expo. Oh, my God. All the movie and TV news we learned from Marvel, Lucasfilm, Pixar, Disney Plus, and more. Lots of exciting things coming out of Disney. Uh, some would say they're all great announcements. Others would say they're all terrible. Andy, where, where do you land here? What, like, I guess let's get into it, right? What's been announced? Yeah, um, honestly, nothing that nothing was really groundbreaking or earth-shattering. Some, some big announcements of things to come in the next couple of years, but nothing super to get excited about yeah they showed uh some footage from ant-man and the wasp quant uh mania uh black panther wakanda forever they showed some footage from that which was well received um it was announced that tim blake nelson and uh shira haas were added to the captain america new world order movie tim blake nelson better be playing looking glass from watchmen <laughs> That's I love, I love yeah i love tim blake nelson he's good stuff uh fantastic four they announced that uh matt shockman will be directing the the movie there were there were rumors we were going to get some casting uh, uh for fantastic four and that didn't happen uh so that that would have been more more exciting uh they announced that the thunderbolts film which is a little bit like the suicide squad it's bad guys uh save the the save the day that comes out in july of 26th of 2024 and that's going to be a team of david harbour julia, julia louis dreyfus wyatt russell florence Pugh, sebastian stan so kind of like some of our gray area superheroes uh put putting in lucasfilm had some announcements uh, they showed a trailer for indiana jones 5 um i, I would like to see that I, I i'm one of the few people i think that, that thinks this or, yeah. skull's okay Indiana Jones 5 okay. is going to make a bajillion dollars. I think a lot of people are going to turn out to see that yeah. movie. 
some kind of strange uh some of this disney uh, thing th- some of their animated announcements uh mufasa the lion king which is going to be a prequel film to oh you're the talking lion about their live king. action features oh, oh yes M- many exciting announcements yeah um that was a big surprise I guess I'm not surprised in some ways because that's all everyone does is IP pre, pre prequels, sequels, whatever. But uh, the Lion King, I mean, the first the remake, the live action remake did make over a billion dollars. It was kind of bland, but uh, you know you got to keep doing it. The Little Mermaid uh, did have a full uh, kind of teaser trailer, which was was exciting. That's going to be out in May of 2023, um, just a short nine month, months away. But that's a big deal. Uh, Boy, there were, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. The internet, yeah, reacted, you know, it was divided <laughs> o- over that. Um, for the for all the wrong reasons, but, you know, whatever. Right. Some Disney Plus exclusives, uh, Hocus Pocus 2, Disenchanted, uh, which is, a lo- I think, a pretty long-awaited sequel. Um, and Peter Pan and Wendy from our man, uh, David Lowry, director of The Green Knight, will also be going that straight to Disney Plus. Any, any, any comments on what, on any of the stuff so far, Zach? <laughs> Yeah, this isn't even all of it. We haven't even gotten like actual animated films coming out of studios like Pixar. I was bummed there was no Fantastic Forecast announcement. I've legitimately been waiting for that for like a month. They we talked about it on the show. At some point, somebody said they were going to announce the cast, and then and then Kevin Feige comes out on stage after announcing director Matt Shackman, and that the film will be coming out in November, and goes no casting announcement today. And I feel like the whole room deflated. Like, come on, everybody mm. wants to know. Yeah, who's going to be the new Fantastic Four? Uh, Indy 5 is exciting. We don't have a trailer on the internet yet, which is a bummer. In fact, a lot of trailers that were, a lot of footage that was shown here has not been on the internet yet. And it's really a shame because I would love to see some of this stuff. Uh, but the thing that's exciting about Indy 5 is Harrison Ford was genuinely smiling on stage. I haven't seen that man smile in three decades. I couldn't believe it. Like he's, he actually got a little teary eyed talking about Indy 5. It, it's some of the, if he's acting, it's the best he's done in years. Uh, it seems like he actually cares about this one. And that's a nice change because he did not care at all about Han Solo. <laughs> and he was never smiling on press tours for Star Wars. It was like he just he visibly did not want to be there. Uh, so it's nice that our, you know, he seems to actually care about America's favorite archaeologist. Uh, no hot takes on Willow. Uh, I was I was going to mention about Indiana Jones 5. There was this great picture of uh, Ke Hoi Kwan who played short round in Indiana Jones and the uh, Temple of Doom. Uh, them taking a picture 40 years later uh, yeah. together, kind of recreating, which was really sweet. And there's rumors that he might show up in Indiana Jones 5. So that would be uh, really neat if he did. He, of course, really, was in – sorry. He, uh, of course, was in Everything Everywhere all at once this year. He, he was. He's fantastic in it. Uh, yeah, that would be stellar if they got him for Indy 5, uh, even in some kind of small role or you know something quick or you know something shoot after the fact. I, I don't know if they would have gone out of their way to grab him before Everything Everywhere all at once, um, but he's really good in that film. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend. Uh, Hocus uh, – yeah, Little, Little Mermaid is um, – I think Little Mermaid looks good. Honestly, my, my critique of that trailer seems to be exclusive from everybody else on the internet. The lighting's terrible. <laughs> I can't see anything. And I yeah. think it's because, you know, CGI is expensive and it's cheaper if you just kind of make it dim. Maybe it's just for the trailer. They haven't worked it out. Maybe it's just the scene they showed. But uh, yeah, singing's great. I, I love, love the casting. I'm, I'm a big fan. Little Mermaid's going to be good stuff, I think. I hope. So on to the big animated films. Uh, we had several announcements here from uh, both DreamWorks and Pixar. Uh, Elemental, which is an, a new uh, Pixar film set for June 16th. That'll be out next summer. Elio as well. Um, I'm not real sure what's that. I'm not going to read all these descri- descriptions. One of the big ones was Inside Out 2, which was, I think, maybe the best film Pixar has ever made from tw- uh, 2015. Um, and... I mean, none of these films need sequels, but uh, this one is going to be getting one, whether we want it or not. Uh, of course, that starred Amy Poehler, and that's going to be out in summer of 2024. That it bums me out because that's such a good movie, and it, it. I mean, I guess you could you could make it work if, but it's uh, just their reliance on on IP is just so kind of uh, nauseating. I'm telling you, I think this is I think this is the happenings of a, a CEO that, that exists to make Bob, money. Uh, Bobby B. Bob, Bobby old, B. old Bob Chapik. That's right. Yeah, that guy. Uh, why not? Right? Yeah, like Inside Out was was a previously successful Pixar film. Just just make another one. 
Uh, some stars won't be returning for that movie. Bill Hader and Mindy Colling both aren't coming back. Uh, they reportedly offered something like the tune of $100,000, and they're both like, absolutely not. <laughs> Amy Poehler, meanwhile, will be back. I heard she was getting like $5 million for it. She's kind of the main character, secondary character, I guess, to Riley, who this film will be taking place inside of, just like the first movie, going through puberty and changes, maybe growing up and going to college. I don't know. I don't know what's going to be an inside out too, but I, 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 it's hard not to be a little pessimistic. The first one was so good and is so not warranted of a sequel. Like does not need one does not ask for one. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, yeah, we saw a new trailer for strange world that just does not look, I don't know. Maybe I got to watch this trailer. Like, I think that movie looks stunningly mid. Uh, it, like, there's not a lot out for it yet. And it just looks like they were like, hey, we'll just reuse some assets from the Buzz Lightyear movie that we didn't get around to. Like a weird alien planet. We'll throw some goofy characters on it that look like they fell out of an Illumination movie. It's Disney, baby. And then the last movie is a movie called Wish, which I don't know a lot about. Uh, it's about the star from Disney movies that characters wish upon. So their wishes come true, like 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 Pinocchio. A movie we'll be talking about shortly. Actually, um, it's weird. I I I I don't really know what's going on in it. Um, but yeah, that's that's a movie they've announced. Wish. So yeah, that's that's it for films. Lots going on in streaming as well from Disney. Uh, we've got the report from Deadline here that we're reading off of. But if you want to go check it out, please do. Uh, lots of announcements for Disney Plus, The Mandalorian, uh, Dead uh, Deadpool, uh, Daredevil. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I think the one disappointing thing that is on the television thing is that I thought the Secret Invasion Marvel th property was going to be a film and it's going to be a series. And so I'm instantly disappointed. By, I'm by so... It's funny. Prospect. We were talking about this the other night. You're not the only one who, who felt that way. Other people definitely did. Whereas I like was very firm that it was a series. So I'm surprised at that. I don't know where I missed whatever that piece of info was that made you think it was a film, uh, right. it, you and, know, it looks fine for what it is, but right. it would have been, it would be great if it was a two hour film too. I'd really like that. And, and secret invasion, uh, this is kind of related to captain Marvel where that you have these shape shifters, uh, I guess the crawls, the screen, I don't remember who the, who the, the, the aliens are, are shape shifters yeah. and they can imitate humans and you don't know who's an alien and who's not. Uh, it, it has to do with that storyline. And we, we do see some familiar favorite, Faces Nick Fury, Colby Smolders, um, those kind of characters from Don the big yeah. Don Cheadle. Yes, that's what that's what I'm frustrated with. I was like, oh, you're bringing back the you know, we're getting into these main characters. No, they've just been demoted to TV. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, Disney's a legacy brand, but it's hard not to scroll down this list of things coming out and 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 immediately identify how many of these are tied to previously successful properties. Uh, very few originals. Very few. Uh, and that's a bummer. And I know you could say, well, lots of comic originals. Yeah, but like, come on, those those aren't really original anymore. A lot of those are established characters and established settings. I don't know. Um, you know, hey, Disney man, <laughs> gonna keep doing their thing. It's fine. A uh, hundred years of wonder. Congrats to them. Uh, and keep it here on Oscar for more from you know that that, that crazy house of mouse. Uh, and speaking of crazy. Toronto International Film Festival is currently happening, and I think currently, right? Am I crazy? I'm not just yes. saying that. Okay, good. All right, got got one. <laughs> uh, is currently happening, and one of the more unique announcements uh, that came out of it today immediately followed uh, the first screening of A24's Pearl, a movie we'll be watching very soon for the podcast. Uh, there's going to be a third X movie. Yes. I don't know. I don't think anybody saw this coming. So um, I saw this promo last night, or I almost watched this promo, but I thought it was just another promo for Pearl, so I didn't watch it. But yes, after a screening of Pearl at uh, TIFF, they uh, there was an extra trailer at the end called Maxine, and it's actually a third film in, in the X universe that, that takes the lone survivor from X, which is Mia Goth's character, and brings her into the 80s because that movie takes place around the 60s, 70s. Um, so she will, she's the lone survivor. It looks like it's uh, in Hollywood. She's made it to Hollywood, and but it's a horror movie, and we know it's, it's, a, it's a brutal kind of series. So we're going to see what happens in that movie. But it's crazy because like Ty West has made like this horror trilogy seemingly un under like guerrilla style. Like, no one knew about it. 
No, nobody's talked about these. Uh, Pearl was a big surprise, uh, and and Pearl's still a long shot. Like we we liked X here on the on the on the show. If you haven't heard our review of it from way back when, we we did like that movie a lot. Pearl was a surprise at the end of that, and they filmed that like really quickly with the script he wrote during quarantine because they couldn't shoot X, and he was bored, and he was like, well, maybe I'll I'll come up with an origin story for these characters, and he did, and now it turns out at some point he cooked up a follow up story for at least one of the characters uh i think i think magazine might be cool uh currently as it's titled online if you're listening to the show it's uh, m-a-x-x-x-i-n-e three x's maxine all caps uh it's the third x film makes sense and hey it makes for exciting marketing i i can't wait to see who co- turns out to see maxine uh, but it's going to depend a lot on if Pearl works, I think. Pearl looks exciting. Uh, it's out next week, actually, September 16th. Um, but I don't, I don't like if Pearl, if Pearl's not great, if Pearl doesn't do great, like what, what's happening with this movie? Is this, I, a, is this a sure thing? I have a feeling like he, he kind of made a secret deal with a 24 for three films and just didn't tell the public. So it would seem a little bit more like guerrilla filmmaking, guerrilla marketing. Uh, but it's brilliant. I, either way, I think, he's probably already got all three films greenlit whether Pearl does, does great or not. And it'll just be part of, you know, the Thai West horror trilogy. Well, one thing's for sure. A 24 doesn't seem to want to attach their names to mediocre content. And when they do, uh, it goes straight to streaming or you don't really hear about it. Uh, chance the rapper made his on-screen debut in a movie called slice. It was an A 24 production about, a. Uh, werewolf pizza delivery man or something i we never even saw it there was a trailer that came out looked kind of good but turns out it screened terribly and they just quietly pushed it out so to have this announcement come out uh at toronto international film festival with a24's i mean name on it like that very much implies andy's right this was worked out well in advance um they've already agreed to it and it's weird i i don't i don't know that studio just sign on to a trilogy out of nowhere um but it's grindhousey and it's different and uh mia goth's a talent who knows Ma- maxine might be awesome i what i'm anxious to see pearl more more so now than before i think yeah what what, what a surprise that uh yeah, just it's great marketing for this movie it'll be great marketing for Maxine and then uh, Mia Goth has turned into a little uh, horror queen here this year. Yeah, quite the scream queen. I would assume the end of Pearl will have a credits trailer for Maxine, right? Just like X had for Pearl. That would be the plan. Yeah, look, probably. I think if they showed yeah. it at, at at TIFF. Well, all right. Well, with that, we should probably get into our first film of the episode. Excited to talk about this one. Uh, this is. <laughs> Something a little different, something a little smaller. Andy's taking the summer on it, so I'll leave him to it. Uh, Andy, please take it away. Barbarian. What am I supposed to do? Why don't you come inside and we'll call these idiots. So this is the latest film from newcomers at Krager. This is a little horror film that we don't really know too much about. Trailer doesn't reveal much, which is nice. Um, It stars Georgina Campbell as Tess, who... Rents an Airbnb late one night, arrives at it in rundown Detroit of all places. It's dark, it's late, it's storming. Uh, she tries to get in, struggles, eventually re- realizes that someone is already there. Bill Skarsgård's Keith, who is a uh, turns out they've double booked this room and they're trying to figure out. And he's like, Well, we both paid for the night, we're here. And she's like, Well, I'm just gonna leave. And, and they kind of agree you got to suspend a little disbelief but but basically they both agree to stay in there in the same house because it's kind of it's late it's dangerous hotels are closed things are things like this um he says you know i'll stay in my room or you stay in the room you can lock the door i'll stay stay out here and it turns out that this house is hiding some sort of secret something deep within the bowels we don't know what from the again the trailer doesn't reveal much and i'm not going to reveal much more than that uh the film also stars uh justin long uh of from tusk and other comedy films and that's all i'm I'm really going to say because uh that's that's the setup and that's all you need to know uh, if you're interested in going in zach what'd you think of this uh, I was excited to see Barbarian because of its director. Uh, it's somebody I like. Uh, Zach Kreger is a member of The Whitest Kids You Know, which is an old sketch comedy group from the early 2000s uh, that had some surprisingly funny stuff. He's never j- jumped into horror. Uh, so when I saw the trailer for Barbarian and saw his name attached at the end, I was like, oh, well, surely that can't be 
the sketch comic I know, but uh, seemingly following the following the footsteps of many other sketch comedians who have moved into directing like Jordan Peele or Bill Hader uh, or a few others that I can't think of off the top of my head. Craig decided, hey, I'm going to take a swing at it and I want to make this movie called Barbarian. The trailer for Barbarian is all anticipation. You know something's wrong. It doesn't tell you what it is. It shows you some quick flashes of some stuff. Come see the movie. And I was really surprised to see that a lot of the movie uh, echoes like that same feeling of unease and anticipation. Horror of the mind, as Hitchcock liked to call it. And I'm excited to talk about Barbarian without getting into spoilers, because the less you know, the better. Uh, I think I like Barbarian. <laughs> I think I, I think I like this movie more than Andy did. Uh, I think so too. It's got problems. It's got pro- it's got problems for sure. But for for a first time director, I was I was surprisingly impressed. Uh, what did you think of Barbarian, Andy? I was a little split on it. There are things that work and things that kind of don't. Uh, I like the second half of the film better when it, once it kind of gets going. the The first act, first forty minutes, uh, they drag a little bit to me, and it does that thing which I absolutely hate where you, you walk in knowing the premise of the movie and it takes forever for the characters on screen to get there. The famous example is the movie old. I'm not old. old where we know that the beach makes you old and it takes 40 minutes for the characters on screen to realize that the beach makes you old. Uh, so th- there was a little bit of that. We know that there. Hey, sorry guys. Uh, funny technical thing. Andy's computer restarted. So I'm just going to pick up right where he left off. Uh, it's no big thing. Uh, unfortunately, I don't remember exactly where he left off. So let me just jump back into it. Uh, working your way into barbarian. You don't really know where things are going. And that's part of what was so exciting about it for me. Uh, I think I liked that barbarian, fills you with this kind of feeling of anticipation. Something's going on in the house, so we don't really know what it is. And you have to start to figure it out based on, you know, I don't know, details. Andy saw this as it takes too long to get to what's going on, right? Like it's, it's this takes forever. I'm not a fan. Uh, I didn't mind the anticipation. What's troubling, I think, is the pacing. And I do think that's probably the start of some issues in Barbarian. While I like the pacing a lot, it's got issues. <laughs> it's not for everybody. Uh, Craiger is kind of bringing himself out as a bit of an auteur uh, as far as these, this film is concerned. And he wants to step into that by embracing, I think, two ideologies. Number one, uh, being able to rattle up a scare inside of you, right? Put you on the edge of your seat in anticipation, waiting for what might be coming through, coming around the corner. Hold on. There's the man. Hey, Andy. I was just talking about I'm back. I'm back. Sorry. That's <laughs> fine. Uh, I'll, 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 splice this. I'll splice this together in editing, so hopefully people don't hear the giant pause. Uh, but Because I did the same thing. I just went quiet. I was like, I don't know if Andy can, is still talking or not. Uh, boy, pod, podcasting fun, huh? Anyway, pacing in Barbarian, I think, is a challenge. Because Kreger seems to ramp you up to a scare really really slow like and he, and he settles you in with a bit of a bit of humor scripts kind of bouncy and fun at the moments where it needs to be light to give you a break and then it ramps up to like a real drop off and then it just starts to tip over the edge and then it'll cut away to something and he, he does that he does that trick once or twice and it's not too bad but I think there's people who have seen Barbarian who did not like this gag and were like, hey, just get let, let's go. All right. Like I want I want the energy. I want the smoke. I want the heat. And uh, it's it's a it's a bold move for a first time director to jump out and give you all of these feelings of, of unease and have you inch up to the edge of the scare uh, and then just kind of pull back. But I don't I didn't mind it. I, I thought it was something different. Um, and I thought. I didn't mind it too much, but like Andy said, it may feel like it takes a while to get to what we already have learned from the trailer. Something's wrong in the house. Yeah. It, it also, it feels like it starts over several times. It, it's almost like a set of short films in, in that way um, where it could just kind of, it could have a better through line, have a better narrative arc. Um, That was one of the things that uh, just the structure kind of bothered me. Yeah, I, I I think that's fair. I didn't mind it. And and fortunately, like you get back to the goods pretty quick, but it makes for a bit of a discombobulating experience, especially in act three, where things really get off the rails. <laughs> I I didn't know what to expect, and and it turns into 
almost like a almost like a grindhouse horror B movie, right? Like kind of goofy and oriented and not as so focused on setting the pace and the tone of the story to come because we've already played our hand and now we have to, you know, fo- follow through on that. Barbarian like keeps its cards close to its chest until well into the feature. Um, but once you get there, I think you'll like what you find. I did at least. I thought it was pretty good. If not a little all over the place. <laughs> uh, Barbarian is not a movie that necessarily cares about its smallest plot holes. Uh, by the time you hit credits, there's definitely a couple questions that are unanswered, and you're, I think you're meant to kind of look, look, look in and and have an introspective moment about what all that means. But it's also a little shallow, and so, sometimes I think the best horror movies are right, like uh, the original Halloween. Carpenter, John Carpenter, didn't spend a whole lot of time explaining how Michael Myers escapes the insane asylum or how he got the the mechanics. Yeah, he just through. does. It just kind of happens. Yeah, and and that that this movie takes those liberties too, and I don't mind that. Like it's you know we're getting into spooky season. Okay, sure, Zach Gregor, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. That that stuff's not bad. It's also got a bit of social commentary that we should probably talk about. If, yeah, I, I wanted if, to get in if that. We can. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely making commentary about the kind of power dynamics between men and women, and it's very kind of clearly has subtext about sexual assault. Um, and you know, just the opening scene b- between the two characters, Bill Skarsgård, he. He's not he's not a, a bad guy when we we first meet him. He's he's a little weird, he seems a little off, but he's not threatening, but there's still, you know, they they have dynamics like he wasn't afraid to open the door and she was like I would have never opened the door, you know, uh th- this sort of thing. And if you've seen um Alien, the original Alien, uh that th- there's been a lot of academic papers written about how that that movie is actually about men's fear of sexual assault because the xenomorph is female and she devours all, all the men. The main protagonist is, is uh, Sigourney Weaver, of course. This movie has a little bit of that and it re- reminded me of some of that too. And we get some of that juxtaposition where, you know, in, in the work, that's kind of what's presented in the world, men kind of being stronger and being able to, overpower women essentially and we get some of that kind of flipped on its head particularly with uh justin long's character who is uh, a real scumbag <laughs> i mean not to get too much away but yeah I, th- I think the social commentary is uh striking Craiger definitely knows like what he, it, the film's self-aware it knows what kind of movie it is and and like from the very onset this woman arrives in an airbnb in south detroit late at night it's rainy uh it's a bad part of town and this guy stranger answers the door and says well come on in she's like mm, i don't know about that that's probably not a smart thing right like from from our very open it's in the trailer like you are automatically questioning keith bill skarsgård's character and and Craiger, like in, in in the first act does a great job of playing up playing that up because keith's weird but he's not that weird but he also could be really weird, right? Like you don't really know. And it, it's, it's a great like way to kind of bring your character down to this level of unease and fear and, 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 you know, credit before, uh, dropping the bottom out from under him, which is great. Uh, it does, like I said, get, get messy in parts for Andy. The first, the first act was messy for me. The third act was messy <laughs> overall. <laughs> I think I liked it. Like I, I, I like what's happening here. I think it's promising. Um, I do want to talk about the setting a minute. Any, any other outstanding thoughts before I jump into that? Uh, no, go ahead. Uh, so this movie is set in Michigan, in, 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 in Detroit. Uh, and I got a lot of family in Michigan. I mean, I've been going to visit Michigan uh, for a lot of summers and like, it's so funny because Craiger, uh, I think is also from Michigan. I feel pretty confident saying that watching this movie this this feels like somebody who's been there because detroit or at least the outskirts of detroit uh serve as this wonderful setting for a horror film because the cops won't come help you <laughs> like at one point our, uh, one of a character calls the cops uh and they're like yeah everybody's busy <laughs> we don't have anybody to come help you you're calling 911 in detroit we'll be there in two hours you know brilliant mm-hmm. like it gives it gives you a clever way for characters to have access to at least some technology but they can't really get the help they need. This is played up even more in characters in and around Detroit, like other individuals uh, like Justin Long. Like these are people that are not necessarily like great. They lived hard lives. Like 
<laughs> they're gonna they're not gonna present as like the nicest individuals and that can be a real hazard when you've got a people a fish out of water or a couple of fish out of water in the case of our two leads uh you know in a, in a place they're not supposed to be yeah and that, i thought that was clever it also it also is a bit of a laugh if you've been to detroit because a lot of the houses you see are just crappy houses from detroit <laughs> and they're played with like horror music <laughs> like it's supposed to be real spooky and it's it's almost a laugh i i i, I enjoyed it yeah, I, I was going to say that's actually one of the kind of parallels to uh, sexual assault issues. The the police are kind of useless in this. The police don't believe our main character when she says, like, there's a something terrible going into this house. Someone's trapped. We need to help them. And, like, the police are like, oh, I don't know. i got other stuff to do. And that's kind of a parallel there. Yeah. Also, fantastic music. I'm thinking about it. I really like the music for Barbarian. And as as a as a podcast with the red and black color scheme, boy, the poster is top-notch top-class barbarian poster uh any other thoughts for recommendations andy i don't want to spoil anything i'd love to keep yeah, talking you, about it but like i it's a less you know the better kind of film yeah exactly i don't i don't want to get too much more um into it i'm, I'm ready for recommendations andy would you recommend barbarian i would say save it for streaming uh it wasn't bad it, it has a lot of good moments uh like i said the things that didn't work for me are kind of the first act's a little slow the it kind of starts over several times and the overall narrative arc is a little shaky but it's still a lot a lot of fun and it's only 100 minutes it's not super long it it has some good scares kind of as, as the film goes on you know it's definitely squarely in, in the horror genre um so i would say save it for streaming if you're a hardcore horror fan you'll probably enjoy it if horror is not your thing uh, maybe skip it yeah well, hey, shout out to Ray on Facebook who just tuned in and said he really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I, I think I did too. Right? Uh, yeah, I liked Barbarian. I, I would, I would, I think I'd give it a recommendation you see it in theaters with a couple of content warnings. Uh, it is a hard R. So <laughs> if you're going to go see this, like, don't, it's hard. It's a hard R. Like, you're, you're getting into it. It's good. You don't know what's going on in that house. Um, I I think it's a, it's a good, it's a good showing from Zach Kreger for a first time. Uh, directorial debut uh reportedly he talked to jordan peele for a while about this uh to hear craig tell appeal was like all but too helpful when craig was like hey i think i want to make a horror movie and he was like oh my god let me come over and we'll, we'll hang out <laughs> talk about making a horror movie i think is i think his ability to adapt some of his like comedic timing of setting up a joke and then revealing the punchline comes into play surprisingly well in this movie uh from its lighter moments to its surprisingly darker this movie reminded me of some of the best b movies b horror movies we've seen recently uh people compared it to james wan's malignant people said it's like west craven movie uh little little inklings of john carpenter in there i think barbarian's really cool I, it's got problems though i, I it's not perfect for sure i, I think it's but, yeah i think it's a good yeah. kind of first um first film because it's the brand new filmmaker it's a great yeah. first attempt um, I think he will definitely probably improve from this. There, there's things to build. You know, it's not like Ari Aster hitting a home run out of the park, but it's a good, it's a good start. It's a good kind of solid film. A lot, lots to improve on, uh, but definitely not like a bomb or a dud or anything. Yeah, if if Kreger chases like the best elements of this feature and pursues that into his next film, I, I think he's in a really good spot. Uh, if he doesn't and he takes the wrong lessons away from this like he might be he might be in some trouble but like the the best parts of barbarian i think are really good stuff uh so yeah I, i'd recommend barbarian i think i think it's surprisingly good made like 10 million dollars over the weekend it was the only thing that came out which is exciting so you know good for barbarian and good for zach Kreger and uh you know good for indie horror everywhere it's nice to see something that's not just another blue mouse feature and with that we should move into our next segment of the episode uh and you mind introducing this for me it's time for the trailer park. So we have a number of new films and trailers came out this week. Uh, we'll be going over four today. I'm going to take this first one, uh, which is All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, this is a remake of the classic film that's almost 100 years old now. Um, and this is 
going to be coming out on Netflix at the end of October. However, it is not a Netflix film in that they didn't um, they didn't make it. Uh, it was made in Germany, and Netflix bought the rights to uh, stream it over here. Uh, but it looks very brutal. It's you know it has it's trench warfare. It's people in mud and dirt, explosions, gunfire. Um, you know it's it kind of has that Saving Private Ryan realism uh, to it, and it, lo- it looks pretty amazing. Uh, and it's also it's going to be a hard watch as well. Uh, that that movie, that book is a an anti war film because it's all about the horrors of war. Zach, what do you uh, think? Excited for this one. Uh, we are getting to that special time of the year when it's getting to be Oscar season and all the punchy art stuff's coming out. And Netflix is actually putting out Netflix originals that are really good and unique. Stuff like Roma, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, this year, one of those is All Quiet on the Western Front. It's Germany's submission to the Oscars this year for Best International Feature. So this ain't no slouch. It looks real good. I'm excited to see it. I think it's going to be good stuff. Speaking of movies, I'm excited to see this one. I'm a little middling on, but I think Andy's really excited to see this movie. The movie is Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. We have a full trailer for this one. We've talked about it on the show before. Uh, shortly after, I mean, immediately after uh, the copyright for the Winnie the Pooh uh, story became available, uh, a studio quickly announced they're making the indie horror. It's going to look an awful lot like the Disney characters, but it's not quite the Disney characters because then they'd get sued to oblivion. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is a slasher movie starring Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh and the Eeyore and Piglet and what seems like all of the uh, the cozy critters of the Hundred Acre Woods. Except now, it's been years since Christopher Robin came out to visit, and they are angry and they have a lust for blood <laughs> and they're willing to kill sexed up teenagers to appease it. Andy, what do you think of the trailer for Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey? <laughs> um, it's definitely pure camp, but kind of taking itself seriously, which is nice. And it's just a, such a ridiculous um concept that uh I, i'm excited to see this no, no matter how bad it is it's just it's gonna it's gonna be a good time fair yeah i'll take that moving on is uh we got the first teaser trailer for glass onion a knives out mystery which is the sequel to knives out uh ryan johnson's follow-up film to the last jedi of course uh, netflix bought the rights for almost half a billion dollars uh, to pay for the film and distribute it um we don't really get much. We have Benoit Blanc is back, and he's on vacation and possibly on a boat, and there's a big cast, and, and there is a, a murder, most foul. Uh, huge cast, including Jessica Henwick, Madeline Klein, Daniel Craig, of course, Ethan Hawke, Edward Norton, Catherine Hahn, Big Dave Bautista, Kate Hudson, Janelle Monet, and L- Leslie Odom Jr. So it's this fantastic big cast, just like the first film, Who's Who?, I'm super excited for this, and this is going to be out December 23rd, right in time for Christmas. Zach, what early, rev- early reviews for Glass Onion are really good. Um, I know it doesn't mean a lot, right? They're early reviews. People are excited and, and, and anticipating getting to see something early, so oftentimes they're a little bit kinder than the rest of us that have to wait. But for what it's worth, people are saying this one is bigger, better, and bolder, and a better film than Knives Out. And Knives Out was really good. Uh, I know that's a tall order. For glass onion but i'm excited to see it i finally convinced christine to watch knives out with me she was like you're right this movie isn't scary at all can't wait to see glass onion i, I think it's going to be a hit i uh, i'd like to see it in theaters if possible i, I absolutely do a few yeah that would be ideal but there are a few films i think that are going to stand as tall as this next one our last trailer to talk about this episode is damien chazelle's babylon uh, the trailer for Babylon just came out this morning. This hot off the presses. This is Damon Chazelle's fourth feature film following Whiplash, La La Land, and First Man starring Ryan Gosling. I took a bit of a break after that, but this is his new feature. It is big, bold. It's got a stellar cast starring Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt, Tobey Maguire, Catherine Waterson, Olivia Wilde, Samara Weaving, Spike Jones. There's, there's a ton of people in this movie. Uh, and, and and what it's about is a little unclear. But what we can tell from the trailer is this is about people in Hollywood who like to party. All right. Set in Hollywood during a transition from silent films to talkies. These are people who like to do drugs and dance and just, just enjoy the creative process, I guess. And that's about all I know. Uh, Brad Pitt looks like he has a lot of money. Margot Robbie looks like a starving actress. I don't know. That's that's Babylon. Uh, we'll find out more than we can. I, IMDb doesn't even have a summary for this thing. Uh, Andy, what do you think? So I didn't really know what this movie was about. I'd heard the title several times. I knew that it was Damien Chazelle's, 
Chazelle's big follow-up to First Man, and it was going to be out around Christmas. Um, I just feel like I've seen this movie before based on this trailer. Like the, it l- reminds me a lot of how could um, you say that? Uh, once once <laughs> upon on. a time, once upon a time in Hollywood, particularly maybe because it has Brad Pitt and it's about old Hollywood, and that's exactly what that film's about. Also, you know, the film Mank comes to mind as well about the the writing of uh, Citizen Kane. I just feel like I've seen these tributes to Hollywood so many times by now. I just really like uninspiring and there's uh, i just could care less now because i've seen this movie done a lot re- very recently as well in the last few years we've had things like this and i uh i would rather see damien chazelle take on something new and stop telling hollywood stories like hollywood can be so full of itself sometimes that's true but andy have you ever seen a trailer where it opens with uh, margot robbie blowing a line of cocaine to the sound of the stars around the pyramid logo disappearing implying that she is huffing i, ha- I have not Wolf of Wall Street. Babylon, baby. <laughs> yeah. Who Margot, which Margot Robbie is also in. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to this movie. I know Giselle's done a couple of, you know, uh, Golden Age features, La La Land and First Man, both uh, obviously his most recent work. Um, I don't know. I, I'd be excited to find out more about Babylon. I'm a, I'm a sucker for this stuff. Who knows? It, it'll probably be a good time. Uh, it also reminds me of two other trailers that we didn't put on the on the list here that we need to talk about probably next time we do Trailer Park. Uh, the Fablemans and uh, oh, Empire of right. Light. Yeah, Sam Mendes's new feature, Empire of Light, and Steven Spielberg's new feature, The Fablemans, both seem to be a little bit about uh, the the wonder of cinema, right? The magic of movie making, film films for filmmakers, as they say. Uh, we'll have to see. I, I we'll, we'll talk about those next time. We do trailer Park. <laughs> a bit more of a rundown for you. Um. And with that, we should jump into our final film of the episode. Uh, this is a doozy. Uh, I, I <laughs> this is excited. all you're doing. This is this all, is all doing. my doing. I know. Uh, so, so let me explain. Uh, we have watched a children's film for the podcast. That movie is Pinocchio. Hello, pops. <laughs> so, Pinocchio is the story of a wooden puppet who is brought to life one night by a magical fairy, and with the help of a little cricket named Jiminy and a little bit of you know hard living, uh, he he grows to become a virtuous person and ultimately grow into a real boy. Uh, it is the Disney story made manifest in live action. This is the live action Disney film. It came to Disney plus. You probably haven't heard about it. You haven't seen anybody talking about this movie. It didn't come to theaters. Uh, and it is made by, and this is the reason I wanted to watch it. Hear me out. Robert Zemeckis, Robert Zemeckis being the director of Forrest Gump and back to the future one, two and three and who framed Roger rabbit and Castaway. Some of the most exciting features ever in cinema, right? Like incredible work. A man who was able to blend live action and animation in ways nobody had seen. Who Framed Roger Rabbit was a freaking huge deal when it came out. And it's still a technical marvel if you go back and watch it. After that, he did Polar Express, which was really weird, but people kind of liked it. And they did Beowulf, and people didn't really like it. And then he did <laughs> Christmas Carol. People were like, this is really weird. And and since then, it's kind of just been downhill. Most recently, his most successful film was Flight. Uh, his recent film was Welcome to Marwen, starring Steve Carell and Rihanna. No, Rihanna's not in that movie. Janelle Monet. That's who I'm thinking of. Uh, and now he's done this. Andy, what would you think of Pinocchio? Oh, boy. So... I didn't really know what to think. I didn't know if this was like animation or live action remake. It's a bit of both. Um, and the, while this is a children's film, that doesn't mean it has to be bad. Uh, but it was kind of bad. Uh, let's see. It was super slow, super like painfully slow. Um, the whole, the entire first act takes place in Geppetto's workshops. So it's one set, one room, the entire like first 25, 30 minutes. Um, the, the movie is an hour and 45, which is way too long. And it was, it seemed like it was really just dumbed down for kids and not like 10 year olds, 11 year olds, like four and five year olds, like put something shiny on screen for when they look up from their iPad kind of, and they don't really have to, uh, the story kind of doesn't make any sense. And this is something you said from the original. It, it's, it's not really a strong yeah. narrative, narrative arc, uh, per se, um, they didn't make any attempt to to kind of change Pinocchio. He has the exact same look from 1940, whatever that's worth. I don't I don't think people were real diehard about that, but it is what it is. 
Um, so much of this is it's like 110% CGI. It's basically an animated film with occasional live action. There's so many parts where you can tell people are not in the same room together or that like that person, they're not even really outside. They're not on a boat. They're not at sea. They're not, you know, it, it is, um, it was bad. It was just so slow and boring, but that was my, my biggest complaints. Yeah. So first off, and he's right. Everything he said is hundred percent true. <laughs> I agree with all of it. Um, I wanted to watch this movie because Zemeckis is a, a like a, a story, a fabled story of a creative like gone wrong. Like he just cannot seem to turn out a quality film. Uh, there's moments of magic, I think in his previous work, this one is, I mean, nearly completely lacking. It is a shot for shot remake of the original Pinocchio with very few variations. There's a couple of like nods to other Disney films. There's a couple of like funny modernized lines. Uh, somebody makes a joke when, uh, they're naming Pinocchio. They're like, what's your name? Oh, I made it a wood. Oh, we should call you uh, Pine, Pine, Chris Pine. That'd be funny. Like just, just eye rolling bad. It is a film made for babies because babies cannot perceive plot <laughs> <laughs> or drama. Like they just see the visuals and think it's kind of fun. And that's really the only thing here on offer. And even the visuals aren't good. If you're an adult, you're going to see right through them. Andy's right. Like there were, there were scenes we were watching. I said, is this all live action or is this, or like, is the backgrounds live action? Do they actually like film a street here? Like, or is it all CGI? And you look closer enough. Like it's all CGI. There, there's large sections of these films that are completely CGI. No, they it's never like, went outside at all for this. Never. No. Yeah. Uh, really, really a bummer. And, and Andy makes a good point, like regarding the history. Uh, Disney opened. It's like, film studio doors with snow white in 1937 which is huge and blows the studio up puts disney on the map he is a he's a revolutionary creative in hollywood three years later they come out with their next feature pinocchio and pinocchio uh did not do that great at theaters like people it was weird and it was dark and people were like this is weird and and like people weren't exactly into it um, but ultimately, it was a a cautionary tale, like for kids to you know learn to go to school and don't talk to strangers and don't be a jackass. Like those are you know don't drink <laughs> beer and smoke cigars. Like don't get swallowed by a whale. Listen to your parents. Like those are all things. And you become a virtuous boy, and then you turn into a real boy, right? That's the whole gag. Um, but like that plot line didn't like it was it was clumsy pacing then in 1940, and now it's been you know. 82 years and like following that same path is like a rookie mistake. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know why, like just if storyline need, needs a huge modernization. Yes. Uh, and there's been other adaptations of Pinocchio that have done this better. Like that's the thing, you know, there's, there's, there's goofy versions all over. Game del Toro has got a version coming out, a stop motion film. Uh, from director Henry Selleck coming on coming to Netflix, I think in just like a month or two, and that looks way more exciting than this one because it's something different. Like it, this, like really lays bare like just how soulless Disney's strategy is to uh, re-energize these properties and just sell more toys. Like that, that's that's just what this feels like. It, they, they didn't even put it in theaters because they knew, like they knew it was bad and they knew it wasn't going to make enough money. They just stick it on Disney Plus. Let let the kiddies watch it. You know, maybe somebody will like. But like, just this. And it's this a was, bummer. Like, go ahead. This was part of Disney Plus Day. I, I might add, which was last Thursday, and Disney had a bunch of big releases. Uh, they. Thor Love and Thunder was put on there. The She-Hulk was actually moved a day forward so it could be released on Disney Plus Day as well. So they were releasing a ton of content last Thursday. This was part of it, just to say they have the content. But, um, oh man, it's rough. Poor Tom well, Hanks yeah. as well. Well, I'm, yeah, I know. While I'm sitting here like tearing this apart, let's get into the, uh, the actual film proper. At least we can talk about performances. Uh, Tom Hanks plays Geppetto. Uh, I, I, I listen... I like that Hanks is in his like play weird kooky characters era. All right. He does Colonel Tom Parker. Nobody <laughs> thought he was good. He did Geppetto. I don't think anybody thinks he's good in this either. I like that he's swinging for it, but he just has no energy as this kind of like rosy cheeked uh, cobbler. What would, you know, car carver. What, what am I trying to say? Here? Carpenter. Ar artist. Carpenter. That's the word I'm looking for. 
like he looks like Geppetto. You see him on the poster and you're like, okay, yeah, that, yeah, that looks like Geppetto. But he just is like tired and he just, and, and Geppetto is played up a little bit to have a bit of a past uh, briefly. Like in, in, you see a photo, like a black and white picture of a kid at some point, And it's like, oh, okay, that's supposed to be something. Uh, but Hanks, I mean, they must have had him on set for for maybe a week, probably like three or four days, honestly, like three or four shooting days. I'd say they wrapped all of his scenes because uh, he's not in. Geppetto's not in the original <laughs> that's where that the much. Budget, that's where the budget went. Yeah, but like it, you throw in a ton of CGI and green screen, right? And suddenly, like you don't have to build a set inside of a whale or anything. You just stick Tom Hanks alone on a green screen talking to a tennis ball. You take the first couple takes. Boom! You got a kids' movie, baby. Like it's, it's a bummer. Uh, additionally, Joseph Gordon-Levitt voices Jiminy Cricket, uh, who was good, admittedly, but God, I felt like I could hear the strain in every line. Like he's really reaching to sound like old Jiminy. Uh, Cynthia Erivo plays the Blue Fairy. Solid. She's in one scene, right? Yeah, yeah she literally <laughs> never comes back. Yeah, Ke- Keegan Michael Keegan Michael Key plays Honest John. Solid. He's in one scene. Like you, these characters just kind of flip through Pinocchio's life real fast as he learns these lessons, and like that doesn't give anybody time to really shine. Luke Evans is the coachman. Great. He's in one scene. You know, like he, they, they move they move really quickly. Uh, even though somehow it feels like it drags. Why is that, Andy? Again, it's so it's so long and just nothing. Again, you don't have like character development, plot development. Uh, this film could just be like in another language, and you wouldn't know. It. You would easily just still be able to like follow along, just because it's uh, the again. And when you say this from the original, like the story is kind of odd. It, you really need to modernize it. You need to bring it up to speed, bring it into the twenty first century. Uh, probably do away with some of this like uh, kind of morality play that it's trying to be like, you know, don't do that, you know, eat your Wheaties and listen to your parents, kids. Like you, you got to tell a real story here. Um, but they're just, you know, they just did it again, shot for shot and all the original stuff. And again, I don't know, like there's diehard fans of like Aladdin and the Lion King, things like that. But like Pinocchio an 82 year old film, like are there people that are going to be all that upset or be that nostalgic for it? I had a my 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 grandma uh, collected a lot of weird kooky stuff, and and one of the things she used to get for my sister and I, she would buy those clamshell Disney VHSs. So we had like an absurd collection of Disney that were forty nine ninety nine. Yes, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Like the whole. Oh, yeah, the whole thing. Um, but we had a ton of Disney movies, so that's a big part of the reason I like film. It's a big part of the reason I like Disney. God bless them. Uh, and and I have a unique affinity for the original film Pinocchio. And watching this movie, like I was surprised at some of the missteps they took in what should have otherwise been layups for this movie. Uh, for example, uh, Pinocchio's nose growing longer. I almost forgot that happens, and it only happens like once or twice. And that's usually a pretty core tenement of the character, right? He lies, his nose gets longer. Um, They seem to have forgotten, too. It doesn't really happen in this movie. Uh, Additionally, Pinocchio becoming a real boy at the end, very disappointing. Very disappointing. (laughs) Very disappointing. Very disappointing. And it is... I can spoil this, right? Nobody's going to, there's nobody. nobody Go ahead. ahead. No adult listening to the show. Watch this. He doesn't turn into a real boy at the end. All right. There. I know we don't do spoilers. He doesn't even do it. Like I, I, I thought maybe he'll be a CGI boy or maybe it'll be some mystical thing, but like, no, they get Geppetto and Pinocchio get out of Monstro. They have a little moment. They walk up the beach and then the credits roll. He's still a wooden boy. Inside. He's a real boy or something like that. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Right. Matt, what you couldn't magic up enough enough wizardry to turn him into a real boy at the end, like a, a movie. He could just have Joseph puppet. Gordon. He could have Joseph Gordon Levitt just turn into him. Yeah, like you. Yeah, you. So yeah, I'm bummed. Like as somebody who actually liked the original, like disappointed. And, and additionally, to to reiterate, like good God, Rob Zemeckis, hang it up. Like you, oh. sir. Yeah, you, you're embarrassing up. yourself. <laughs> And he said it's so good when we were watching this. He's like, he's just getting the paycheck. And he like it is. That, that's what this feels like. If Disney's getting the paycheck, Rob Zemeckis is getting the paycheck. They're all getting the bag. That's what Pinocchio is. And it's such a bummer. Well, it, it's all just part of the marketing, too. Because like you could literally get any C-less director and actors to do this so easily and so cheap. But it's part of the sell. So they're like, oh, we got Robert Zemeckis from Back to the Future. We got Tom Hanks. We got Joseph Gordon-Levitt. We got... 
uh, Lorraine Bracco <laughs> from Goodfellas, who plays a seagull. Uh, you know, you throw these big names and the, as part of the marketing, it's just so you can say that these people are in it. And on paper, this sounds like, well, wow, that should probably be pretty good. And it's not. It's again, you could make you could have made this movie <laughs> for like a million dollars and really cheap actors. But that's that's not going to help their promotion. And it's just so underwhelming. Yes. Uh, this has a new song. Go ahead. I said, man hasn't made a good film in 15 years. It seems like it. No, uh, there's a couple of new songs in Pinocchio. They're all forgettable. Uh, the ones that are memorable in there are not featured enough. Like just, I, I don't see how this passes through the biggest film studio in the world as quality. Like it just, it, it is a made for streaming, like a made for TV movie. Like it's, it's so obviously a grift and like, I think it, I think it's go ahead, Andy. Sorry. I know you're <laughs> No, it just, this is part of a larger issue of streaming quality kind of getting worse and worse. Like they, you know, HBO, uh, I think it was David Zaslav said it best. Like, why are we spending $90 million when we can spend $40 million and get the same, uh, return. And that's what this feels like. It, it feels like they're get, they're putting less and less into some of these stretch streaming features because they know that they don't really deliver. Like they get fresh content, but again, it's really hard to measure. Like, does that gain you new subscribers? Does that keep existing subscribers? Um, so it seems like they're getting cheaper and cheaper on straight to streaming films. Yeah, and I know Pinocchio is a smaller property, but like. I the original film was made with what was hoped to be a lot of promise. I, I think I think Disney really hoped that first one was going to take off and go somewhere, like Snow White or the second one. I said Pinocchio, right? The second feature, and and you can you can track like the history of Walt Disney's life, and and for like forty three years, his brother Roy Disney, who was responsible for the money in that company, was a stressed out nightmare, like chasing him around, trying to be like, Walt, Walt, how are we going to make money? Okay, great. You want to make the biggest animated, how do we turn it into dollars? Like you can't do this for nothing. You can't do this at a loss and we need to make money. And Walt Disney was always like, no, like I, I, I get that the money will come. Like we need to, we need to make something for people. That's really special that people believe in that kids believe in and we'll get there. And like, that's how you build a legacy. And like, ultimately this many years later, it's, it's, it's clearly true, but it's funny now that it feels like when the Pinocchio remake comes down the line, the shoe is on the other foot and it's like Roy Disney's running the company. And they're like, how do we make a buck? We don't care like about anybody caring about this movie. It's not going to matter. It's a small property anyway, whatever, just turn it around, crank it out and make a dime. And like, that's such a bummer. It's such a bummer, and and I'm bummed that this movie falls to the same pitfalls as the original and makes no and like it. Do, it doesn't even try to sidestep it. It sees it as features and steps into flaws with worse form, worse form than they could have done in a hand drawn animated feature. Um, any other thoughts or recommendations? <laughs> I think I'm ready. Andy, would you recommend Pinocchio? Absolutely not. This might be one of the worst films I've ever seen. Definitely the worst thing I've seen all year. The hardest of passes, don't watch it. Don't show it to your kids. Don't show it to your pets. Don't put it on in the background. Uh, just don't watch it. It's so bad. Don't encourage Disney to keep making this trash. Yep. It, you can't even like have fun in the uncanny valley with your friends. It's not even like a good movie to do drugs to. Like it, it, I, Andy and I had a pretty good, have a pretty good running list of best and worst of the year right now. This might top like what has been on the worst of the year list for a while for me. Like I, it's, it's so bad. It, it's so bad. And like, it's such a, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a fan. Not a fan of old Pinocchio. Uh, not a fan of new Pinocchio. Still kind of like the old one. Uh, that's Pinocchio. I'm. I wish. I wish we didn't have to end on such a sour note. But uh, next week's going to be really good. Actually, <laughs> I think we're seeing some good stuff. Andy, what are we watching next week? Next week we are watching Pearl, uh, which is comes out this Friday, September sixteenth, only in theaters. This is, of course, the prequel film to X. Ty West's horror film from uh, what was it? Sometime in the spring, March, I, th I think March, April. One not long ago. Yeah. Um, so that which follows the uh, titular Pearl, who is uh, we see the old version of her in X, and it shows her growing up uh, on the farm, stuck with these big dreams of Hollywood, and she just has to get off some way, and she turns to murderous ways uh, to get <laughs> what she wants. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And then we're also going to be taking a look at See How They Run, which is a murder mystery comedy starring Saoirse Ronan and... 
Oh, I can't remember his name now. Sam, Sam Rockwell. Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Um, another big fun cast. This looks like a lighthearted fun film. We uh, we talked about the trailer a little bit ago. That's also going to be only in theaters. And uh, so those are the two. So two theatrical uh, films this year, this week. Yeah, excited about both. Uh, see how they run. I hope it has a more memorable like plot and structure than its fairly forgettable title. I, I have had trouble remembering the name of that movie. Uh, it's not quite as exciting as like... Uh, david it's david gordon green amsterdam right right like tight small easy to remember see how they run it's like just really not a great title but uh sam rockwell and Saoirse ronan playing detectives uh, trying to solve like a murder mystery at a playhouse with a bunch of actors and like the 1920s 1930s seems really exciting 1940s maybe uh excited to see pearl yeah double feature at the movies i'm so glad we're finally getting back to like oscar season award season like all right, now we get to watch some quality <laughs> cinema. It's going to be some good stuff coming up uh, on That's the show. Right. It is right. And uh, if you want to hear what's coming up on the show, keep up with our reviews. Some of the more exciting films coming out this year that you want to maybe find out if it's worth your time. The best way to do that is just subscribe to your boys here at Offscript. Subscribe to Offscript. Get new episodes delivered straight to your phone every single Tuesday when we do them. Uh, we also live stream the show on Facebook. You can follow us over there. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. We upload our live streams to YouTube. You can see us visually, see us talk about stuff, put up articles, you know, experience the show proper like we do. Uh, and you can do all of that by following us at Offscript Film Review. You can check out our website, offscriptfilmreview.com, where we post other content, interviews, exciting extra, extra tidbits. And you can email us correspondence or just comment on those things if you like at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com. Tell us what you want to see. Tell us what you want us to see, right? Uh, maybe what you thought of Pinocchio, if you bothered to watch it with your friends. Uh, if you got hot takes on Barbar Barbarian, would love to hear them, actually. I don't have enough people to talk about that movie with. Uh, I think that's about it. From all of us at Offscript, the home of Bold Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for watching. <laughs>